Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning, everybody. Good to see everyone. My name is Tim. I'm senior pastor here at Vineyard, and so good to see you. And if this is your first time uh, to our fellowship, welcome. We're glad you are here. We have been in a, well, kind of in a little micro series of sorts, as you can see, called This Is Us, where what I'm doing is kind of revisiting uh, who, what we've been as a church over the last uh, 23 years. And uh, to see God's handprint in this particular church and also to celebrate that. Last week we looked at a passage of scripture where Jesus called the disciples, or uh, at least these two sets of brothers out. He said, you know, you know, follow me. And we saw that we have in our story as a church, we have a leader. And the leader's name isn't... Tim Holt. It's Jesus. Jesus is the one calling us out. He's the one saying, follow me. Let's go. Let's go into Myrtle Beach. Let's go into all the world. And, uh, and, and also, you know, he also has a purpose for us. He said, follow me and I will send you out. So it's not just follow me, but it's follow me because there's a purpose to it. And I'm going to send you out and to be fishers of men. And then also that there's a cost to the, being a part of this story. Of course it costs God. It costs Jesus his life. And, uh, but there's a cost in that the disciples left their boat. Uh, they left their father. The two of them did. And, and to follow Jesus. And so there's a cost. And we talked about that last week. You know every church. Every church that's ever been started. And, and continues. Those that have been perpetually going for a long time. You know they all started at a certain time. Or find themselves in a certain culture. Now, unfortunately, you know, some, some churches kind of get stuck where they were and uh, don't kind of take advantage of culture as it changes through time and learning to communicate and, and learning to uh, recognize what's going on around them and be a part of that and be a voice in that for good. And, uh, you know, this church, just some of you don't, don't know this, but this church has a, a pretty rich history, even though it's only been around for 23 years, has a pretty rich history we uh we used to do car washes you've seen those right you've seen like youth groups of different people doing car washes and they'll go car wash whatever well what we did was and and uh there's a few of you in here that were a part of this back that day we did car washes where we paid people for us to wash their car yeah and uh and i'll never forget this uh this guy was in our old building and there was a car wash across the street where we used to meet and we're sitting out there. We've got our signs and all. And this Porsche pulls up. You know, and this burnt orange, beautiful 911 Carrera. You know, just, man, what a car. And, uh, you know, he pulls up. And I saw him go by a couple of times. And, and he pulls up and he goes, he, the window rolls down. And he goes, what's the catch? And I, I was like, no, there's no catch. He said, there's always a catch. Always a catch. Especially with churches. And I'm like, no catch. Uh, I could, you know, uh, and I was looking at that car thinking, do I really want to wash this car? I mean, you know, do I really want to put, uh, you know, anyway. Uh, and I said, no, no, no. And he goes, okay, you're, 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 you're going to say something. So let me just go ahead and write you a check right now. And I said, no, 
That's not why we're here today, but you can come Sunday and get one if you want to. Oh, we meet right over there, and it, well, but not now. That's not why we're here. We, you know, no. And uh, he just said, no, nah, there's got to be a catch. He never did get it, and he didn't let me wash his car. But, um, <laughs> but we did a lot of that in the early days. And Tracy, he, you remember all of that. And, and uh, you know, we used to, at the intersection where we used to meet, we would get all these Cokes and water, and we'd get them really cold. And then as soon as the car stopped, you know, at the stoplight, we would run out with a cold Coke. And, and give them a free Coke. Uh, they won't let you do that anymore. Uh, <laughs> when we moved here, we tried to do it down here, I think, once. And, you know, it didn't go over well with, you know, the city. And, uh, I mean, it stopped traffic. Everybody, I get it, you know. But this is 20 years ago. So uh, it was a lot of fun. And I'll never forget this one guy. And we still got this video. We need to put it in a format that we can watch it. And uh, of this one guy that... Either Shane or Tracy zeroed in on in his car that he pulled up to the stoplight and we gave him a Coke and he was reading the card on top of it. And the look on his face, he just kept smiling and it looked like he was about to cry. And then he would look out the window back at the team that was at the intersection. And then he would look back at the card and he'd look back at the team. And that look, you know, that, that surprise but wonderful, grateful look, uh, on what appeared to me, every time I've watched it, you know, I, I see a lonely person in the car. And I see that somebody said, hey, you know what? There's people out here that do believe life is really good. And, and here, we want to just bless you this day. You know, it still does something to me. But that, that, this is us. I mean, this is what we were, this is our foundation. This, you know, this, these are our experiences early on. And every church Every group of people who decide to be a faith community, they have a foundation. They have, they have things that mean a lot to them. And, it's, and uh, you know, early on in this church, there's no doubt that it was probably the personality was mine. I mean, because uh, my wife and I and a couple of us started this church. And, and, and so, you know, the things that we did were things that we thought of and we did. And, um, you know, the first Sunday we met, we had 107, 112 people, something. It was over 100. I was shocked. And, uh, but what was really interesting was when I looked out at the group, they were all my friends. You know, it was like there was surfers and musicians and people that I knew out in the crowd that just came out to, you know, to say we're with you. And, you know, 99% didn't, probably didn't stick around. But they were there for us in the, in the early days to help us and, and to be there for us. But as the church grows and as the community becomes tighter and we spend more time together, the church takes on the personality of its people. And so now the church is much more mature and, and much more, uh, I think, broad in its uh, personality because it's, it's you guys now. It's those of you who are serving and leading your small groups and serving and buying kids and participating on Sundays and out in your community and you come in, you let me know your stories of what's going on. I heard three or four stories in the first service today of how God's using people out, you know, out there. And so, um, but early on, yeah, it was, you know, the personality of the church was probably mostly me. I, I started writing things down. There were a lot of surfers, you know, that came and, uh, you know, but there were a lot of hungry people that came that uh, weren't necessarily Christians and a lot of hurt and lonely people. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of unpretentious people 
I even wrote crude one time <laughs> down because we're we're not the most polished group of people. At least you know, and I love it, and uh, I'm not either. And uh, you know, one guy, one guy came up to me probably five years into the church, and he says, "I get it now. I get what kind of church this is." He says it's hippie intellectual. <laughs> I said wrong on both counts. <laughs> Number one, I've, I've never been a hippie. I said, despite the looks from back in the 70s. Um, the reason I looked like that was because Jesus had touched me and I wanted to go back to my people. I wanted to go back to my people and my people didn't cut their hair <laughs> and didn't you know, shave and spent most of their time in the ocean. And also did some things they shouldn't do. And, uh, and so, you know, once I, we got married very young, teenagers, and once I got out of my house, I, I didn't have to cut my hair anymore. I didn't cut it for five years and, uh, and didn't shave. And I went down to some of you who have been here a long time, know the little house that used to be right down here. Yeah, some of you won't admit to hanging out down there. See, that's what I'm getting right now because you know the type of people who hung out at the little house. And, uh, so I went right back after I met Jesus and, and went back there. And because, you know, part of my life was that God met me out there. And so I wanted to meet my friends out there. And so I had this giant Bible. Uh, I gave my children my Bibles uh, last year for Christmas, the ones I'd worked through. But my first Bible when I was a Christian was like that thick. I thought you were more holy, you know, if you had a bigger Bible. And so it was like this thick. And, and I remember, some of you remember picnic tables on that unlevel ground and the jukebox over here and you got the burgers there. And I would sit at the picnic table and I hid my Bible on my knee like this. Just laid it there. And then, you know, because the way I looked, it didn't take long before all the nefarious characters began to show up. And so I remember one, one evening this guy comes over and he plops down across from me. He goes, Dude, let's go out back and we'll split this tab of acid, man. I'll share it with you. I grabbed my bottle and I went, boom, <laughs> down like that. I said, I'll show you how to get high, bro. <laughs> like that. <laughs> it wasn't the best evangelistic method. I, I, I admit it was, you know, I mean, the, the passion was there. Like I said, not intellectual. Uh, kind of missed that one for sure, but... You know, slammed it down, and the dude really got mad at me. I thought he was—I thought he was going to crawl. You know, was going to wail on me, and uh, because he felt like I, had, you know, insulted him, <laughs> and I tried to win him. But anyway, that was the early part. You know, was that—that's kind of—it's kind of still in this church. You know, that fact that we love the people out there. We still love them. You know, God is doing things out there, and God's people join Him out there and loving people that's you know that's still such a part of my heart and it's still such a part I think of this church uh, you know we've always been a church where we've said we don't want you checking your brain at the door when you walk in As some of you who have been here for a long time know that that's something we've always said like it's okay to ask questions it's okay to have doubts it's okay to to challenge things it's okay that's that's good, please. You know, thinking people are learning people. And, and uh, God's not afraid of questions and doubts. And, you know, we're not afraid of them either. And uh, I, don't, I think it's wonderful that 
People have crises of faith when they kind of slip away. Crises, and a crisis is not a bad word. Some of you know that crisis basically is like you're at a crossroads. A crisis simply means you're at a place where something's going to change. You're at a place where you're going to make a decision. And, and so all crises are not bad. You know, it means that we're working through something or we're asking questions and we're seeking to understand. That's a good thing. You know, it's a good thing. And so we've been a church like that. And, and, and I think this church will remain that. It's a place where you can ask questions. That's why I love Alpha. Alpha is the place where you can ask questions and, and you can go and, and you can unpack the things that, uh, about God, about Christ, and you can and learn a little more and also share where your heart is and, and the questions that you have. Um, this church has always been a giving church, always, always, from day one. Early on in the church, um, you know, the vid, some of the bigger vineyards got into this competition. I've mentioned this before, but got into this competition of giving their at least an offering away every year. And, uh, and so they, they actually had a second place trophy. They would pass back and forth <laughs> between each other. Like if you didn't give the most, you got the second place trophy. And between these two particular churches. So we started giving away our at least one offering every year to either a nonprofit or maybe a, a young church that was just cranking up or something like that. We did that for a number of years where we gave away our offering. Um, you guys have always been a giving people. You have. You've, you guys have never been tight-fisted with what you have. This church has always been blessed with people and, and people who are kind and people who are giving and benevolent. And, uh, and that's a part of who we are. And this is us. This is us. Over in Acts 17, take your hand out like every Sunday, flip it over. The scripture's there. Paul found himself in a culture, kind of a shift for him, kind of like what churches find now with culture changing and in places, the great apostle Paul found himself in a position of having to re, uh, kind of orient himself and how he communicated with the changing culture. And uh, this, if you don't know Paul, Paul is known as a super apostle. He is like the greatest apostle who ever lived. Paul at one time in his life was uh, a very astute uh, Pharisee, was you know, a, a rabbi of great renown, of great intellect, and, and just loved his faith and all. And when Christianity was birthed on the scene, he saw it as a threat. He saw it as an insult to God, and he saw it as a threat to his own faith. And so this guy, Paul, or Saul, uh, before God changed his name, uh, Saul was actually, he was free to go and arrest Christians to put them in jail and even have them stoned to death, have them killed to try to uh, do away with this new faith that had come on the scene. Well, like some of us have seen, God has a way of no matter where you are in life and what your heart may be like at one time, he has a way of reaching you and a way of showing his love to you. And Paul's on the road on his way to go arrest Christians and maybe even killed him. He had papers, you know, from the authorities that gave him the right to do that. And Jesus said, you know what I'm going to do? Nope, you're not going to do that anymore. You're going to be mine. And uh, it's in here. You can read about it. And, uh, and so Paul was like, whole life was changed. And he went from attacking and trying to kill and do away with Christianity to being the super apostle. Uh, when I first became a Christian, uh, we, were, we got married, went off to college and... 
I was so excited. This was three months into being a Christian. One of uh, my electives was uh, New Testament survey. Never, I never even read the Bible, much less take a Bible course. And so three months in, I'm like, oh, this is going to help me so much in, in this new faith. And, and so I show up in this class, which had, gosh, maybe 100 people in it. And uh, the professor didn't even believe in God. And he taught New Testament survey. And he actually hated Paul. I mean, he hated Paul. He thought he was a horrible person. And so I'm in here as a brand new believer, you know, three, four months into my faith. And, and I'm so excited about learning the Bible. And the guy's going, what a bunch of malarkey, you know. And he's going through trying to dismantle all of it. And, uh, but, you know, now I look back on it, it was very helpful because it caused me to dig in. It caused me to go seek out more information in different places to see if he was right. But what got me is when we had to write our paper... Uh, at the end of the year, uh, I wrote a paper on Paul and the doc because I told the doc, I said, doc, you better be very careful because you look a whole lot like Paul. <laughs> and you know what happened to Paul. <laughs> like you hate this so much, yet you teach it. I'm like, but you know what? Paul used to hate Christianity and try to do away with but look what happened to him so you better be careful and uh, so Paul is on his way he becomes a Christian and, and so he he begins to preach and and help plant churches and we're going to find him in Acts 17 this morning the scriptures there in your handout will be up on the screens he finds himself in the beautiful wonderful city of Athens Athens, as many of you know, the home of Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, all the famous philosophers, uh, which were around maybe 350 years prior to Paul being there. And so this city is just saturated in intellectualism and philosophy. And here comes Paul into the city and he sees all these idols everywhere. Uh, and he begins to preach Jesus and to share Jesus in the synagogue that's there. And then also, I love it, he says, in the marketplace. In the place where people do business and where they have their discussions and, and all. And so let's read this together. Let's put it up on the screens. And uh, we can all do this together. You ready? Here we go. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. For one man, from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Lord, bless the reading of your word this morning. Lord, help me in my weakness. I, I pray, God, you give the gift of teaching for the next few minutes. And, and Lord, I pray that your presence would be known here. Now, through your word, also, though, Lord, in your presence, your very tangible presence, acknowledging that you are with us and here and now. So open our hearts, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. 
men. So Paul goes into the city. He sees all these idols everywhere. And uh, he even sees one. They're covering all the bases. He sees one idol to basically the unknown God. It's like, hey, here's all these gods. But if we missed one, here's an idol to the unknown God. And so uh, they're trying to hedge their bets, right? They cover all the bases. And then uh, Paul uh, begins to share with them the truth of God. He tries to reach these philosophers with the truth of Christ. And he begins to share with them. And what he does is he quotes one of their own philosophers. A guy named Aratus. Aratus lived about 333 BC along in that time. So he uses the culture of that day. Did you know that? There is a philosophy quoted in the Bible. From a guy named Aratus. And so that's a part of the Bible now. That is that Paul saw truth in the culture. And he takes it to speak to that culture through it. I don't see that any different than I do like music and all where we hear certain songs that we know express a hunger maybe to understand why we're here or we see art or we see a movie or we read a novel and we see something in there this golden thread that's kind of tugging at our heart or maybe it expresses our own questions our own doubts our all our own wonderment I think Paul's doing the same thing here he takes it and he says your own philosophers have said this. And now he tries to explain Christ through this. I, I want to point out three things here. This has to do with who we are too in this story. Your first villain is this. Look he says for in him. That is in Christ. Even though Aratus did not mean that when he wrote it. Paul takes it and hijacks it. For the sake of the kingdom. For in him. Your first villain is we belong to someone. This is not a philosophy. For in him, that is in Christ, in Jesus, right now, you know, we, those of us who know Jesus, we are in him. Um, it's just, again, not a philosophy. And there's something very much, very real. And that's what Paul is trying to say. It's not stone. God doesn't need that. You can't contain him in a building. You can't contain him in an idol. Uh, you know, he is very real. He's, a, he's alive, as we'll see. And um, I uh, saw this story of a pastor who, uh, who had the doors of his church painted red so that when people came into the building, they would realize that they're coming into a place where Jesus, the sacrifice he made, the blood of Christ, they're walking into that, and everybody's welcome because of what Christ did. I think that's a beautiful thing. In him, right, we come into him, and uh, he's alive. You know, there are no orphans in the kingdom of God. There are no orphans in the kingdom of God. And we are in him. Your second one there is we are alive. We are in a live church. An alive church. For in him we live. In Jesus, we're, you know, we're not just a social gathering. We're not a social justice gathering, though we do social justice, though we try to do all we can to see that God's will be done and the way that he loves people and the way he cares for people. Uh, you know, we are alive in him. We are an alive church for in him we live. We believe in the presence of God now. That right now God is alive and he is doing things. You know God is not doing anything in the past. He's not doing. Did he do things? Yeah. But he's not doing it now in the past. 
He's doing it now. Right now in this place. For in him we live. We live. We, God is moving us and morphing us and maturing us in this moment. Again, it's not like some of you maybe were raised where it's walk down the aisle of the church, check off a box, now go back to your life. I've got my insurance. I've got things okay with God. Now I can go back. No, it's like come to Jesus. Follow me. Let's go. This is a dynamic relationship that we have in the church. And it's meant to be. We're moving together somewhere. God is working in us now. In this moment. Did you know God is working out there right now? Did you know that? It's, I mean some of us church people. Sometimes think well God. You know Sundays God takes kind of break. He takes a break out there. He only meets in the churches. Not true. God's out there right now. When you leave from here. You're going to go out there. And you're going to see. If you'll ask for eyes to see. You'll see him moving. And you'll see him doing things. And he'll invite you into it. Have you ever run into someone. And you've never met them before. But your heart suddenly becomes very like touched by them. I mean you see them. And something in your heart just goes. And I don't think this is too strong of a statement. But you almost love them when you see them. You know what that is? For God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That is his heart. It's Jesus when he looked at Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. His heart being pulled out. That is the aliveness, you know, of God in our lives. And I'll tell you something. When you sense those things and you feel those things, that could be God's invitation for you right now and what he's doing in that. There's, a, there's, a, there's one of the baristas at the place I go. Um, to get coffee in the morning. And there's this one particular guy. He is just like the nicest guy in the world. I mean I'll walk in there on some. Especially Mondays. I walk in there. And I'm like. <laughs> and he's like. Tim you want the same drink? And I'm like yeah. <laughs> and he begins. He smiles. He's like starts talking about how great life is. He's just, I mean, he's a very young man and he's always got this smile on his face. And, and, you know, before I walk away from there, he's cared for me. He's kind of ministered to me. And the other day I thought, you know, I need to tell him this. I need to tell him what a blessing he is. And so when I went in there, I said, you know what? Such a blessing. I mean, I come in here and the smile on your face, how kind you are. And, uh, I mean, that's God doing something out there. And, uh, you know, one of them asked me the other day what I did for a living. See, I try not to tell people. And uh, because I try to be friends where I am. And uh, I said, I work at a church. And they go, wow, how long have you been doing that? I said, oh, about 40 years. And they said, yeah, you must really like it. <laughs> I said, yeah, it's, you know, it's pretty good. <laughs> Times. <laughs> and, uh, and, but. Those moments, don't write those off. Don't write those times off. Because God is alive and he's moving out there. He's moving on people and in people. And God's people, we're meant to be a blessing to folks. We're meant to recognize those things and to share with them, you know, the love of God. Who knows what will happen? You know, I don't, I don't have to sit down with like run through every jot and tittle of the gospel at that moment or anything. I just have to be in the moment with that person. Right then, right? And so he's alive. You know, God, 
he's alive in the church. He's alive in us. Uh, that Those three chapters in John. John 14, 15, and 16 that I, I mention quite often is a beautiful story of Jesus preparing the church for the Holy Spirit to come. And that uh, the Holy Spirit, he was here. He's always been here. Whatever God does on the earth, he's doing through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's always been here. And he's working now out there. He's working in here. But sometimes, sometimes we see somehow, we see an extra measure of what he's doing in people's lives. And in 14, 15, and 16, Jesus kind of prepares us for that. And so the Holy Spirit is still very active and dynamic. This is a dynamic situation we find ourselves in and in this fellowship with each other and in the community that we're in uh you know there are 28 chapters in the book of acts we're reading out of acts 17 today but that's not the end of the book of acts you realize that right you're writing a chapter of it right now in your life there is a chapter i mean it was gone on to acts 28 29 30 31 32 we're living in it you know, since May 1st, 1971, I started writing my book, my chapter in the book of Acts. And you guys are writing yours, you know, ever since that moment in time when Christ apprehended you and he began to show you his purpose for your life, you began to write that chapter and you continue to write it. This is a very alive, a live dynamic thing. You know how we got this building? Some of you know, there's a few of you in here that were here when we got into this this church. You're talking about God telling us he's still alive, right? Wasn't that a moment? I mean, this was during the recession. We had bought a piece of land, but we'd ne- we'd, I never felt like we should be out there, but we bought it because we felt, I, you know, we thought we should be, we had to move from where we were and we were like, what are we going to do? So, uh, some friends said, hey, let, well, Jeff right there is one. They, they said to me, are you sure this is where you want to be? I said, no. He said, let's pray and let's look. <laughs> And so we went out in the, right in the recession and we started looking for buildings. And I've always wanted to be right in the middle of Myrtle Beach. Always. Because I felt like that's where our influence needs to be. Right here. We need to be here as salt and light. And, uh, and so we're looking around, you know, and, and uh, we get the keys to this building. Our bank used to own it. Some of you know it was a restaurant here. It was a bakery on the other end at one time. But a bank owned it and it was sliced up into just... Little rooms, little rooms, little rooms all the way down. and uh, But we went down over to this one space that's the office space now. And we got on our faces and we started praying. And it was so funny because we all looked up at each other and went, this is it. This is it right here. And so we went back and we offered, I think it was $900,000. And I think that's right. And uh, we offered them $900,000 and the bank laughed at us basically and said it's worth $2.6 million. There's no way. I'm going to sell it to you for nine hundred thousand. Well, one of the, one of the people on the team said, "Hey, look, it's on Twenty Seventh Avenue. Why don't we call the church to a twenty-seven day fast, and let's ask the Lord to intervene for us." So everybody fasted something every day for twenty-seven days, and uh, this is no lie. I have the letter in my office on the twenty-eighth day. The twenty-eighth day, we get this email saying, "We'll take it." We'll take it. But the story doesn't end there. We didn't have any money. (laughs) Well, we had some, but we needed, you know, we had $100,000 we had saved, right? But we needed, this thing was cut up. We had to get it in some shape in order to, like this room, we had to find some way to to meet in it. And so, we, you know, every bank we went to, we were like, 
well, do you have 20% down or whatever? We're like, uh, no, we don't have, we really don't want to put anything down. Uh, you know, uh, they were like, well, you can't do that. Then one bank, one bank said, let us see your finances, your financials. And because of you folks, you dear folks, uh, because of your consistency from day one, when they saw how consistent you were in your giving, there was no that and that with our church. It's been a steady like this for 23 years. Amen. Just solid, steady, not like that, but just like this. When they saw the consistency of your giving and your kindness, they said, okay, let us keep our $100,000, which we needed for the upfit, upfit, and we got that loan for nothing down. And then we had 30 days to get this building in some shape to meet in because we didn't want to pay double rent, right? A mortgage and rent at the other one. So 30 days, took that money, upfitted enough so we could get in this building. And on that, uh, that Sunday, uh, some of you may remember, I had the U-Hauls parked up after the second service. And I told the church, everybody come back. We're stripping this building and we're headed to our new home. <laughs> you know? And so we stripped that building at the end of the second service at the other location. We came over here. We put everything in. And that week, everything had to get set up for the next Sunday. And it all happened. Don't tell me God's not alive. God makes a way. He makes a way. He's still alive. He's still doing things. He's still moving. And, uh, you know, he does it personally in our lives too. Hasn't he made a way for you? And sometimes when you didn't think there was any way out of something and he's been there for you. And you know what? If it didn't go the way you wanted it to go, I'll bet you he was there at an extra special measure of grace in that moment to be with you. I know I found that out in my own life. At the deepest moments of loss and doubt and questioning is many times the deepest place of God's kindness and his grace when it's poured out on us. And I may be going, God, I hate this. <laughs> you know? But deep in my heart, God's going, you're mine, Tim. You know what? And I know you don't see what I'm doing. And I know you don't like this. But you're mine and I love you and I'm going to be with you and I'm not going anywhere. I am not going anywhere. And it's in that depth, many times of those moments when our faith is actually, you know, increased, not lessened in those moments. God is very much alive and we're a church. A church where we believe that God is active and moving now. And we believe that he's moving out there, you know, the, I think all nations uh, cafe, the thing that you know that that is like a, another huge step from going all the way back. Like you heard, some of you heard last week when we fed people when we first started this church. We we went out and fed people who didn't want us to feed them, <laughs> but uh, like the porn shops, we went out to the porn shops and delivered meals to them to try to show them that God does love them. We may not agree with what they're doing. We we took Christmas baskets to the strippers at Christmas time. No, our wives wouldn't let the guys go and deliver them, but, <laughs> but the ladies, you know, the ladies took them over there. And we're like, you know, God loves you. He cares for you. He loves you. And I think that all nations now, there's thousands of international students that you guys minister to and care for, have taken into your home and, and care for. is just 
showing that God is alive and he's working out there and he's caring for people all around us. That we're not a monument to something that, that used to be, but we're a testimony to what is. And that is the love of God is active right now in our lives and in our community. Thirdly, your last one here is this in verse 28. For in him we live and move and we have our being. As Paul quotes Aratus, have our being. We are an own mission church. An own mission church. And that is there is purpose. You have a purpose. We have our being in Christ. We are an own mission church. Um, you know what I love about this? If, as we read this, when Paul walked into the city, he was enraged at what he saw. I mean, the, the, the word used is he was actually just angry about all the idols. And that's why he does his sermon the way he does. But, but it says he reasoned with them. He didn't spew forth his judgment on them. He, reasoning, that word reason there is he allowed them to have a conversation with him. He said what he said and they had a conversation back with him. That is, Paul saw himself as it wasn't that moment. It's a mission. I'm engaging with these people who are the leaders in Athens. And who have led the foremost thinking of this city. And what I want to do is I want to engage in a conversation. I don't want to just make my statement and get angry and walk off. But I want an engagement. That is what I see in our church too. You know, we're in this for the long haul. And when you have conversations with people, it's not about us making our point. It's about the continuing conversation. The continuing conversation of a person finding out what, what their purpose is here on the earth. And, and so, you know, I think the arts are like that. I think what he did was he's using like the art of his day, the philosophical points of his day. It would be no different than us using the music of our day. Because I think music, I think music is the philosophy of our day. Music and movies. That's where we see the philosophy of our culture in those. And I think he took the tools and he took that. He made it a tool for himself. And if I had anything to do over again in this church, you know what I would do? I would do a lot of series using music. Like some of you know who the Beatles were. Um, it, those of you who don't, Wow. Uh, <laughs> but I would have done a series with the Beatles music because there's so much of their music who, that points to something on the inside and something very omnipotent and out there that is, is a hunger for. And they deal with social issues in their music and all. And I would have used that because I think, and I don't, you know, there's so many different styles of music now. It's hard to grab one that a church would, would everybody would get. But, um, but I, don't, I think that's the same thing Paul's doing. I think he's taking something that the culture understands and would say, yeah, that's the hunger of my heart right there. I, I, I get that. And he's opening it up for people to see that there is a God of creation. And he does love his creation. And he loves it so much. He sent his own son in him. That's who Aratus may not have understood this, but it's in him that we live. And we breathe and we have our being. It's in him. And so he makes an approach to them in that. that we are an own mission church. I, I, I just dropped this because my son, my son's a great musician. And he, he's always dropping these new bands on me, right? Trying to help the old guy out. And um, so he drops this band called Dolls on me. 
back here a few months ago. And then he buys tickets and takes me to a concert. And so I can hear Taylor Goldsmith, the, the writer of the music. And I'll have to tell you, man, I'm sitting there in that concert and I'm listening to the words to those songs and I'm weeping. I'm like, holy mackerel. This guy's, you know, it's a prophet. There's things, this, just this line, listen, humor me. Uh, just this line. And it did sound a little country at times. Um, <laughs> ignoring all the remedies, believing all of the rumors with their endless database. I want to sit with my enemies and say we should have done this sooner. While I look them in the face, maybe that would crack the case. Is that not a redemptive statement right there? I mean, that makes me want to weep in this world that we live in right now. I want to sit with my enemies and look them in the face. Maybe that'll crack the case. Maybe that'll take us somewhere where we need to be. And I think that's what Paul is doing with Aratus, and that's why he quoted him. Every church is on mission. Every church is not the same. Every church is not meant to be the same. Um... People come up to me quite often and go, man, I don't get you Christians. You know, why, why are there... Actually, Christians say this too. You know, why can't you guys get your stuff together? I mean, look how many denominations and churches there are. I mean, why can't you all just be one church? You know, and I'm like, well, because we're all humans. And, you know, there's... Plus, I don't think any one of us or any group of us can ever be the whole picture and the whole story. I, I, it's like a pie, you know, I... It's like there's a big pie and I think the churches that love Jesus and are a part of that are the big pie. Everybody has a slice of it. And you know what? We may be just a little small slice of the pie in Myrtle Beach. But I think we're very tasty. And I think that Myrtle Beach would miss that slice of the pie if it wasn't here. And I think this is us. And what is us is a big piece and a part of what God is doing in our community and beyond. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Thank you for these folks. God, thank you so much. Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for their love, their consistency, their kindness, their giving, their, uh, their honesty, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you have called so many people from so many different backgrounds together to be an expression of your kingdom, of what it looks like to do life together. So many different people. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I do know that it begins with each of us individually at least recognizing and acknowledging you are who you say you are. And so, Lord, this morning, I, I ask you if there's anyone in this room who has not done that, has not responded to your great love by saying, yes, I believe in following you. Lord, today they would do that. They would simply say yes. Yes, and begin their journey. And while we're praying here, the scripture says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. And so an acknowledgement is important. It's important that we acknowledge that. And, and so if today you've done that, would you just raise your hand and let me know to say thank you. To say yes. I've said yes to Jesus this morning. Thank you. 
Father, you see these hands this morning who have responded to your great love. I pray at this moment that indeed you would reveal, Lord, your great love and your presence to them as you flood their heart with a wonderful God. This flood them with a with kind of a recognition, Lord, that they would be able to just taste a bit of who you are and your great love for them. Your forgiveness, God, your restoration and hope, Lord, hope for purpose in life from this point on. Come, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.